Hello, and welcome to Overleaf Podcast with Stuart Williams. On this episode, we'll meet Sophie Willison, the editor-in-chief at Terra Firma magazine. We'll discuss Terra Firma's humble beginnings, as well as the latest issue 7 and the upcoming issue 8 due out this year. This episode was recorded back in the summer of 2022, and to paraphrase the website, Sophie mentions, I wanted to create something that was more than just a magazine. A publication that held weight, that took up space, something to create an impact. I hope you enjoy it. I'm currently looking for sponsors for the show. If you're interested, please reach out to On The Overleaf on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. Some Overleaf news? We now have a brand new submission area on the website. So if you make, sell or run a magazine, get in touch. You could do so by visiting ontheoverleaf.com forward slash submit. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Stuart. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm really enjoying this heat wave in London. Oh, you're in London. Yeah. Where are you based? I'm in Finland. What's the weather like there at the moment? It's pretty much the same, I think. Very hot. It's doable at the moment. I don't know about yours. Um, it, it's getting a little bit unbearable, especially if you don't have a fan or any aircon. It's a little bit tricky. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is awkward. But I hope, I hope you'll survive. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm going to France tomorrow where it's even hotter. So, But I'll be near the sea, so I'll be able to go for a swim every day, which will be nice. Super nice. Yeah, where, whereabouts then? Are you on the, like, can or where, where are you? Be going to Valonia and then um, getting a getting driven back to a, like a chateau there where I'm doing some work for a few few days, which will be nice. That's so nice. Yeah. Ah, I guess what what would be great would be an intro to Terra Firma. All right. Well, I started Terra Firma magazine when I was about eighteen or nineteen, whilst I was studying fine art photography. Um, It was a way of uh, sort of publishing and communicating my ideas in a platform that seemed accessible and interesting. Um, And because I was studying photography, um, I sort of had to teach myself how to make a magazine. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was very lucky to be doing an internship alongside my um, studies at uh, a magazine. Um, So I sort of got like a little bit of behind the scenes whilst I was working there. Um, and yeah, I just thought like, oh, well, surely like it can't be that hard, you know, like I'll just start my own one. So I just collected together a load of, um, friends who are interested in like being a part of the magazine. And I basically gave them two weeks, three rolls of film and a load of film cameras. And I got them to document their lives. And that was kind of what the first issue was. It was a collection of images from all different walks of life, from my friends who were studying to be teachers or historians or scientists. Um, So it was very interesting to see how they sort of captured their everyday and then trusted me with their images. And then I came to curate whatever I saw fit within their work, which was quite fun and quite like, I think brave of them to do that really. let me have control over their images um so that was really fun I enjoyed doing that and whenever I speak to people about that they always are really interested in that idea so I think maybe at some point I might come back to doing that maybe in like I don't know a small publication not necessarily like a whole issue dedicated to that 
but I feel like that was a really nice way to start out the magazine because it meant that like I was engaging with like my local community and my friends um and it kind of I don't know it was nice to start you know at the grassroots yeah. kind of like inspired by what Terraformer was about or is about about the ground being grounded and sort of like remembering remembering that as you go along the way not to get too caught up in you know what's going on life-wise and how, how do you feel it developed as issues went on did you feel like the theme kind of stayed consistent or you know I guess your network went you know went bigger and it more expanded yeah I think probably still to this day the biggest step up was probably from issue one to issue two because that's when I got my Instagram account basically mm, so I yeah. kind of I had like a few thousand followers within a couple of months and people wanting to submit their work and me kind of having a bit of imposter syndrome being this one woman behind this whole magazine um but something one of my teachers always told me he always said like fake it till you make it and I love that it's just become my whole life ethos um, yeah, yeah. because you know no one ever really knows like what you feel behind the facade you know like you could be super nervous you don't know what you're doing but if you just pretend you do then it kind of I don't know sort of gives you confidence as well and allows you to sort of go full steam ahead into what you're wanting to do um so yeah, yeah so I set up the Instagram account and then uh basically got like heaps of people interested in wanting to be in the magazine so then I did a call out and got people pitching me ideas and then I found people's work that I was interested in on Instagram and I messaged them and said oh I really like your work would you be interested in being the next issue and so the theme of that issue was the concept yeah. of originality um because I was really interested in that topic at that time um because I think when you're studying at university you're kind of you're always looking at artists you're always referencing material and you kind of think wow like is everything just like a reproduction of what was before? Like, how do you make yeah. something new? How are you original? How do you create something that's never been seen before? So I've always been trying to think of how to do that in the back of my mind. And it's like, in a way it's impossible because um, you're always gonna have some sort of like essence of something, which is a fine, which I've come to terms with. Um, yeah. so, but then I, so it was nice to have that theme in mind when doing a call out because then people were like trying to think in different ways that they hadn't thought of before <clears throat> so that was fun so then it ended up being about like I think 44 different artists from 12 different countries wow huge yeah. huge step up and then it got stocked in like um the Tate Modern the ICA it was in uh, Mocha in LA in China um and I've always been very lucky with people reaching out to me and going, oh, I'm interested in your magazine. We'd like to stock it here. That's kind of been the main success route for the magazine is people have just found me through some roundabout way rather than me yeah. reaching out to people it seemed seemed to work them gravitating towards me and finding the magazine. So, yeah. So there was a lot of questioning what originality is or was, I suppose, at the time. So that I guess through self-publishing or through their work as well so the actual um, probably a little bit of both more through their work I guess um and because it's sort of like the main theme is probably well main medium is photography but I've it's most art forms but um that's what I've studied and that's what I think most of my followers seem to that's the way they produce their work um but yeah so I, I guess with the publication as well, I mean, I've always tried to keep it a little bit original with each issue. So um, 
I think, I don't know, I think I was quite a cynical 18 year old. I think that was due to my teacher at the time because he was quite cynical. So I was like, oh, you know, like so many magazines out there already. Like, oh, how do I cut away from them? How do I do something that's a bit different? How do I just not make another publication that looks like everybody else's publication? Yes. So then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to put my foot down. I'm never going to have any advertising because I don't want to be like Vogue or anything like that and have like 40 pages of advertising. I just want it to be like the true essence of what the magazine is and just try and do something that's like a little bit different rather than having the predictable format every issue so the first issue was a4 second one was a5 and then the a then the (laughs) third issue was um you could you could buy it as a5 but then it also came as a limited edition version which was a series of um a6 postcards magazine it was a fold-out A1 poster by a photographer called Sean Gust, who photographs exclusively on medium format, and he mm. goes around and he photographs like um, natural disasters. So he took this fantastic photograph of a forest fire in one of the uh, parks. I think it was Yosemite in America, um, and then it came in a hand, like handcrafted, recycled box with stamps that I made stamping the cover and then my friend in Lithuania came up with a unique smell to go with the magazine as well so it's kind of like a whole visual experience oh and there was um, a hand handmade handbound journal by my friend Yashna Loten that she put together with a series of interviews so it was purely text-based that bit Um, but yeah so then for that issue because I I just moved to Australia at that time and I didn't have my maintenance grant or any money so I did a kickstarter for that issue so that was how I was able to continue it right Um, so for a lot of people a lot of well I mean probably just me and my friends were wondering if it was going to continue after the second issue Um, so thanks to you know online funding platforms I was able to continue doing that because as you probably know it's very expensive Yes. funding and producing a magazine and if you don't have any advertising and anything like that it's quite difficult to to figure out how to do it so I, I guess you're starting from issue one what were your friends at university thinking when you go yeah I'm just going to start a magazine about art yeah what, what did they think well I think they were like yeah cool okay because I'm kind of somebody who says I'll do things and I actually do them so I think they were like yeah well she's (laughs) going to do that and it'll probably be quite good because she'll put a lot of work into it and she's very passionate about it um but I think it wasn't until like probably the second issue when I had a launch party at Claire Drouin in um London Tottenham Court Road that all my friends came to and I think they were like wow okay this is this is Sophie doing it seriously. Like this is a proper thing. Um, so yeah, ever since then I've always like wanted to keep it going. You know, I've loved doing it and yeah, I really hope I can do it forever really, but you, you never know if you can sustain these things. No, of course. And I, I love the fact that you've expanded it over time into those, not only different formats, but different, you know, that pull out poster and you've got those little additions. And I guess the diary has become, a bigger part of your offering but where did the diary come from and and well yeah why great question um well I've always loved a diary I think I'm inspired by my mum because she's actually had a diary I think every day since she was like 20 and she keeps all of them and sometimes when I go around there to see my parents she'll go oh do you want to know what we were doing like nine years ago today and where we were and what we had for dinner and I'm like yeah sure so it's just wow. like a really nice like I guess 
sort of like object that you have that's like a portal into your your past and memories and I really like the idea of having sort of like a real nice compact uh, little publication that people could take around with them because there's something you know I love magazines and publishing uh, and design um, but with with magazines you know I I'm guilty of it myself I might buy a magazine and then I'll put it down and I might not look at it for like a month or something or I'll put it under and get lost under a pile or something yeah so I like the idea of like there was almost an excuse that people have to look at this every day they have to engage in it and I really like the idea that people would engage in it in different ways as well and I've been publishing that now for about five years and every year I get told like somebody's using it in a, in a new way like someone bought one for their mom and she uses it like to write inspirational quotes every day or someone uses it just like as a shopping list you know and I really yeah. like that I like I like that they're not just using it to exist within the parameters of what it's been designed for but they're using it in whatever way suits them and yeah. one, one day I hope that I have the time and the resources to do like a really big exhibition and get everyone to like I don't know either send me or scan their diaries and then just like just show everyone else like how they've been used and like used yeah. and abused really <laughs> like <to> say. <laughs> yeah well, like, that's what it's meant for isn't it and I, I guess you know consuming any type of media it's it's yeah it's one of those things it's perfect bound isn't it and you, you you've got all this all this photography that's laid out throughout every month there's a different piece different piece every week I should say so is that connected to the, the the issue of which it comes out and the year it comes out, or is it a selected view from the past? So the, the first diary was um, like an excuse as well for me to do a project about books and publishing. So if you're, if you make magazines, you naturally just are obsessed with like magazines, printing, publishing. So <laughs> yeah. I wanted to like contact other people who are also obsessed by that. So this was when I was living in Sydney at the time as well. Um, so I just contacted like heaps of artists, photographers, designers who I knew through like the grapevine had like excellent collections of books and magazines. And yeah. every single person from memory said yes. No one said no. So I got to go to all these fantastic houses and see these like outrageous like collections of books. Yeah. Oh, it was like insane. There was one person's house I went to um, and she was like a little bit of a hoarder and I just remember thinking oh my god like I really want to look at what that book is but if I pull that book out the whole like her whole living room is going to fall apart um and yeah so I just ended up like documenting that and like interviewing people and then have kind of used it as like a platform to share my own work but amongst other people's as well so there's been like um the most recent one was a collaboration between myself and uh, Yagmir Ozdemir, who's a Turkish-based artist and researcher. Mm. And that was like a series of back and forths of conversations, sending each other photographs, writings, um, things in the post. For example, she makes and designs like these um, light-emitting diodes that absorb the sunlight during the day. And then at night you turn them on and they give out this like wave of light um and you can wear them as a badge and then I like bought this wow. like stereoscope camera and then I like photographed it and yeah it's just like a really fun way to kind of get a new conversation going and then have a nice output at the end because it's just I think it's a great like 
a sort of like deadline for yourself when you know you've got to make a publication especially a diary as well because you're like yes. well I have to get this out before this time because otherwise it's going to be irrelevant which is different from the magazine because yeah. there's no consistency with that as such I kind of put it out when it's ready sort of every year but sometimes it's a bit longer than that yeah different deadlines for the two different things it's very interesting in that sense is it is it stressful in that sense is there any like downsides to it Oh, yeah. I mean, so, like last year, I think they both ended up coinciding that they were coming out at the same time. And I was like, oh, shit, how did this happen? Like, this is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying, I've avoided that this year um, because it was just too much. And I want it to be enjoyable. I want it to be fun. I don't want it to be stressful. Um, yeah. But that's that's something great about working like mostly on your own as well. I've actually just um, employed someone to work for me who's been absolutely fantastic. Um, oh, but- congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, But in the past, like if you're just the only person doing it, then you can sort of set like all the parameters for, you know, when things are going to come out, when you're going to do something. Um, But it's it's been nice like having someone who's been helping me because then they sort of hold you account to like, oh, well, we said we were going to do it by this time or like we need to do this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, great. Yeah. (laughs) So that's been really nice. (laughs) Have someone like the same level as you at the same speed and just keeping you on, on track, basically. Yeah, totally. It's really nice. I never thought that I would like have someone that I would be able to pay. Um, it's just like four hours a week, but it's it's a really nice kind of like, I don't know, like anchoring point in the week where we come together and just to have someone to bounce ideas off as well. You know, it comes to a point where doing something on your own for that amount of time, it becomes kind of challenging in a way because, you know, I can ask my friends for ideas and things, but it's nice to have someone who's totally invested in it as well and wants to talk about it, wants to share ideas and wants to contribute. So that's, I think, been a real like step up for the magazine this year. And you'll certainly see it in the output of the diary and um, the magazine, which will come out next year, issue eight. Yeah, issue eight. Oh, when is it normally out then? Is it is it like start of the year? Just depends, really. Yeah. Depends how I'm feeling. Depends how busy I am. <laughs> um, but for issue eight, I'm hoping to get some um, arts council funding. Uh, I have. Yeah. I'm. I'm helping. Um, someone's helping me to write an application at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, just because like uh, it's going to be about anxiety and mental health, and I want to do like lots of workshops and engage with like the local yeah. communities, and um, I just think it's a really important topic and. Uh, I think it should be spoken about more and I think the I hope well I hope that the government would want to support a project like this so I'm hoping that money this episode is sponsored by me Stuart Williams the host of Overleaf podcast that means it's not sponsored at all I just want to tell you about a few things I thought I'd take a moment to tell you about the back issue club finding back issues are hard especially if you're trying to find that number one of a magazine you've been looking for for years. So I think I found the solution. It's a brand new Facebook group for magazine collectors who would like to buy or sell back issues. As a collector myself, this would be a great opportunity to fill any gaps in the collection and even discover new publications for yourself. Simply visit Overleaf on Facebook to join the group today. If you'd like to be featured on the podcast, please reach out via social media you can get me on On The Overleaf on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and Overleaf on TikTok. It'll be great to hear from you. Don't forget to also check out our blog. You can find it at ontheoverleaf.com. That's O-N-T-H-E-O-V-E-R-L-E-A-F dot com. 
Just a reminder that Overleaf is fully independent. There's no company, big business, or any big publisher behind this. It's just me. If you'd like to donate, please go to the website and follow the donate button. It's ran by Buy Me A Coffee. So for only £3, you can support a fully independent blog and podcast. And it would make such a huge difference. Anyway, let's get back to the episode. 100%, I don't think you'll be short of content, <laughs> to be no. honest. It's such a big issue and such a huge personal personal issue as well, isn't it? Yeah. I guess, you know, diving into that, you have to kind of, I guess, plan a strategy to how to approach it. Yeah, definitely. I think I want to, like, contact people who work in that kind of sector, like mental health sector, because I want to make sure I go about it the right way. Like, I don't want to, I don't know, do anything that's, like, makes anyone feel uncomfortable not that I would but like just to make sure that I go about it in the right way not to like yeah trigger anyone or something like that but um yeah because yeah something I suffer with quite a lot is anxiety so and that's kind of what what I do with a magazine I always try and do it around a topic that I think like is important or interesting or like that relates to me or or uh, like other people on a greater level as well yeah yeah because if we go to issue seven which is like the latest one that's out how do you feel, you know, obviously it is based around the name, this issue, isn't it? It is based on terra firma as terra firma, the noun. Um, mm-hmm. how, how did you go about, you know, curating or, you know, finding the people to interview for this one? Well, um, so I was inspired by the idea of kind of coming back into the magazine itself and sort of like a, like a grounding point and just like a check in with like, OK, so what's happening here? What are we doing? Like where is this going from here? Um, and I just thought it'd be really nice to like look inwards a bit more. Um, so I thought a bit about, more about Terra Firma and the name and how it came about, uh, which was inspired by, again, my mum and her f- sort of fear of flying. And she would always say, oh, I can't wait to be back on Terra Firma. And I really love that phrase. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to see how other people felt about that phrase as well and how they connected to it, how they responded to it, interpreted it. Um, and I think also, you know, when you're you're coming up with a name for something, whether it's like a new serial or a book or something like that. Yeah. I know I always Google it. I always that's the first thing I do. I Google it and I see what else is out there. And in the past, when I've like Googled Terra Firma, there's like this like Land Rover magazine that comes up and I'm just like oh god I hope people don't get me mistaken for that magazine and they're gonna uh-huh. think this is really confusing why she got like advertising for like the next BMW or whatever um so I've always kind of been like 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 a little bit like you know annoyed at like other things that exist called terra firma you know and that like it's like a competition yeah, but yeah. I, well I kind of want to embrace that I want to go okay what else is called terra firma let me speak to them because we have a connection through that that phrase and I want to know what, how I feel about it so I like I had a google and like found loads of interesting things like you've probably seen in the issue there was like a, a Swedish post uh post-punk metal band or something formed in 1995 called Terra Firma there's a song a really great song in there um by oh, I've forgotten it now Frank Moody yeah, Frank Moody, thank you. Yeah. And there's um, an album by Tash Sultana, um, but that's not in the issue. Um, but yeah. yeah, so many things called Terra Firma. And so, yeah, I just sort of like reached out to them and 
just like spoke to them a little bit about terra firma and like looked back at past issues and kind of like drew some work out of that reinterpreted it remade it um and then also um as you know it comes with the the seeds attached to the front cover that yeah. was a way of sort of activating the issue having people respond to respond to it and like keep it going rather than just being like a stagnant like um static issue I like the idea of people like engaging with it, planting the seeds, responding to it, and then maybe writing a poem or doing a drawing or a photograph. And then the idea of that in, in like the next few months is to collect all of that content that people have made in response to the issue and then have just like yeah. a, a small little segment on the website, which I think would be quite a nice way to sort of like reignite that issue. It seems that, you know, with every project or every issue, you're really looking to get that engagement, which is really nice to have that, uh, like back and forth with a reader that might be, you know, hundreds of miles away, but you're, you're getting a response. I think that's such a such a nice thing. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah, I think like it's quite competitive now, like being a magazine. Like um, I worked at Mag Culture for the past like year and a half. And in that time, there just have been so many more magazines and they're so fantastic. But to stand apart from what everyone else is doing, you kind of have to have like something about you like um I don't know whether it's like a really interesting concept or uh, featuring fantastic artists or like a bright yellow cover or I don't know like um buffalo zine you know the one that where they got yeah. the fluffy cover or yeah so I was just like well you have to do something that's gonna get people interested and it's gonna get people to want to know what you're doing and want to pick up the issue and so yeah so it's nice to hear that that's the way it's being received because you just don't know when you're making something you know you don't know if people are enjoying yeah. it if they like it how they're responding to it because you just make it and then that's it it goes out into the world and unless somebody tells you oh I like this or that's cool you just don't know you never you never kind of send a copy to your friend before before it goes out and go what do you think well yeah but they all like they're my friends or like I send it to my mom and they'll she'll always say oh yeah it's great you know bias <laughs> you, you kind of want that fresh perspective I guess that's kind yeah. of but um like, sorry go on no just of, of like someone who's picked it up for the first time from a bookshelf like why have they picked it up why have they bought it what have they thought when they've got home like how does it sit amongst their other magazines stuff yeah. like that I think size wise it's it sets it apart I think the format for issue seven it's it's not is it it's a five but it's not a five in width I don't think there's there's it a is. kind of Go on. It is, yeah. It is A5. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's well, it's supposed to be. Maybe yours got squash in the mail. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I yeah, I I really enjoy the hand stamped, you know, notion of it and that that authenticity of, you know, that you've personally stamped it or someone in the team has stamped it. I have you stamped it yourself? I did. I stamped your copy. I did, yeah. And how, how big is the circulation for each issue? Uh, it's between 200 to 300 copies. So it's not wow. <laughs> not small, but it's also not massive. Yeah. So it always I always set up a bit of a production line. Sometimes my girlfriend helps me or my my family or something. Um, but when I when I made issue six, which was about residing and the idea of residing, yeah, it was a series of um, six A1 posters that came folded A4 and they all came in a handmade bag and I made every single bag I cut it all out and I sewed them all together and I cut out like I drew got a stencil and I cut out all of the sixes cut them out and I sewed them onto the bags 
and like by the like the 50th issue I was just like why 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 did I do this (laughs) (laughs) I I don't I don't know how you have time to do any of this and it's dedication to the craft I have to say (laughs) it really is yeah I just I have an idea and if if I want to go with it then I just have to do it and I don't think about it and I just I just get it done I guess and yeah you've always always been that way it seems that you know like you said you know when when you're going to do something you do it I think that's a it's a really really important trait I think and is it something you've explored in your own work what what's your own work like well like my main practice is photography but I've been getting into ceramics and uh drawing and painting um and design um yeah but I think like the magazine does take up a lot of my time plus like having a proper job and doing freelance work and stuff like that so I try and make like a little piece of work for each issue um try and like like send in work to other magazines and things like that but yeah um, I'm kind of I feel like I'm in a bit of a shift at the moment within my own photography um because I usually do quite a lot of documentary and portraiture so I kind of find what's already out there and take photographs of it. But I'm kind yeah. of swaying more to wanting to sort of create objects and photograph them. Um, so I've just invested in a pair of um, nice like flashlights, which uh, I bought on the 6th of April, but they're currently stuck in China. So I don't have them yet, but I hope that I'll get them sometime this year. Um, so, yeah, but actually something... Uh, very exciting that I've just come to designing is uh, a book stand um, yeah which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak too much about not like a POS POS no what's a POS point of sale oh as in like a you know like a book stand that a book stands on yeah so it's a you know a terra firma branded cardboard like oh. stand or wooden stand yeah 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 like that yeah okay oh yeah you don't need to say anymore I guess yeah but But, what I can say is that you'll want to buy one so watch this face (laughs) again I don't know how you find the time (laughs) it's it's crazy and you say you lived in Australia right and you're back in London now how how was that experience and did it shape your work or your your approach to the magazine and what you wanted to achieve Oh, yeah, definitely. I think because when I first moved out to Australia, that was me moving away from my home for the first time. It was me leaving university and arriving in in a city that I'd been to before. I'd been I'd lived in Australia before, but I'd never lived, lived properly in Sydney as an adult full time. Yeah. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I was interested in something creative. So I reached out to a few different galleries asking if I could like do some work experience. And then the Museum of Contemporary Art got back to me saying that they would be interested to meet me. So I went along, had an interview, took along Terra Firma to show them what I'd been working on, to show them that I was engaged in the arts and making things. And by the end of the interview, the the manager was like, oh, we don't want to offer you a volunteering role. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, we want to offer you a paid job. And I was like, (laughs) okay, cool. I was trying to keep it really cool um, because... I was like extremely excited and then he was like yeah you know we uh we would love you to start working here uh, in the next few weeks if that works for you and like we can start you off at four days a week and see how that goes yeah and so I was like immediately immersed into this fantastic culture of Sydney contemporary art and they had this ethos there where they would only hire you or they would hire like 70 percent of the floor staff 
as practicing artists. So almost everyone there oh. that I knew was an artist. So there was like wow. designers, there was like uh, illustrators, there was like just like everyone you can imagine. It was fantastic. And then yeah. every evening after work, somebody would have an exhibition or um, a party or something. So it was just like this fantastic way to immediately get immersed into the the art scene over there. And so yeah. I made friends like so quickly and was being invited to be a part of shows. And there was this fantastic space that was above a pub there that you could like hire for free, essentially. And so then that's where I decided to launch the third issue of Terra Firma. And I had like all the wow. magazines and I put up loads of posters and I managed to get hold of a few like slide projectors. And the theme for that issue was energy. And my uncle actually works in like, uh, the, he kind of helped design the solar cells. So he's got all these fantastic slides from like the 1980s of him going out to these really rural parts of Australia and photographing yeah. all these cars that worked using solar energy. And people would go and go in the middle of nowhere with all the sun and they would drive all these cars. So he had all these fantastic photographs. So throughout the evening, all these like flashes of images were coming up and yeah, it was just fantastic. And it was just so interesting as well, just to see that like the, the shift in terms of style and taste as well in Australia. Something okay. that I would say I noticed most was um, their sort of like video art. Video art seemed to be quite popular there and yeah. in a way kind of a bit satirical more, more oh, satirical yeah. than I thought the art was in, in London and kind of a bit more like garish, a bit more like sort of messy, but in, in a kind of controlled way. I certainly saw like some fantastic things working at that museum for like five or six years and just being able to be surrounded by an artwork all day. And like, there was like a work by this artist called Hei Yang and it was in like one of the double height spaces. And she had like these fantastic, huge, like, sculptures like made out of different materials and then she had all these smells that were running through the gallery and it was just yeah. such a visual experience I can't I think throughout the exhibitions there and them changing and spending so much time with art artwork I think definitely inspired like the magazine in some way or shape or form you know in terms of smell or uh, what I was seeing or it would just give me so much time to think as well because I essentially if there was no one in your space at that time you just had yourself and your thoughts to think about whatever you wanted. So I guess the magazine was a good way to get out of your head, in a way, with all these ideas. He must have had this massive pool of ideas, and I guess narrowing it down was quite difficult as well. Yes, definitely. I think there would often be days that I'd write like heaps of things down. I remember one day I had all these ideas and I wanted to write a to-do list, and I ended up writing like 100 things on my to-do list and being like wow okay am I ever going to finish the t this to-do list wow you've been you've done a lot in four years like you said 2018 was the first issue so seven issues in four years uh no so it was like nine years ago nine years wow yeah so I'm 27 now and it was like when I was 18 I started it wow why did I think 2018 why have I got that in my head but nine years so 10 years that's going to be quite a big like I don't know milestone for you yeah what, what, what's what's going to happen do you feel like with issue eight you're going to look into anxiety and connecting with local community but um is there anything that you want to do in terms of launching uh have you got any ideas at this point or is it kind of under wraps um I would really like to have a 
like a big party, I think, in a really nice space um, with everyone who is involved in the issue and create like a, a lovely evening where everyone can come together. Um, there's uh, an artist uh, called Nina, who's part of this artist collective called Hot Desk, who yeah. has, has been speaking to me recently about um, doing a panel panel discussion. So I think that might be a quite nice way to sort of bring the issue together and present what it's about and yeah, get her to sort of like chair a, a panel discussion, maybe with like some of the artists in the issue or uh, people who are practicing in that field or something like that. But that's kind of, that's something I'm working towards at the moment, but it all sort of uh, depends upon if, if the funding comes through and if we can get some money um yeah yeah if there are any any philanthropists out there listening to this podcast and they want to support terra firma i'm <laughs> more than welcome <laughs> how how can they reach you through instagram they can re- they can slide into my dms and tell me <laughs> that they want to send me some money for the next issue yeah that'd be good <laughs> that that'd be really good but <laughs> it sounds it sounds great it sounds like the like the world's your oyster i guess when it comes to your own publication and there's there's no like restrictions you, you've got a, got a great team you've got well you've got an extra worker now um yeah do you feel like you know building up and up and up where do you see terra firma in like five years i would like to increase the circulation i think by that time maybe have a team of like three or four people have an office space a studio space yeah i really like i like the idea of working in a in a smaller creative team um but it sort of depends I mean it's terra firma doesn't really make me any money at the moment so it just depends on I guess how the next few years go and if uh if I do succumb to advertising or anything like that or if I can make money through another outlet and fund having a team of people through that or yeah but I I don't know I kind of I want to get into like other art forms as well like I really want to get into glass blowing in the next few years wow that sounds great. I mean, hot, but great. Yeah. Oh, so hot. Too yeah. hot, maybe, but we'll see. <laughs> I love what I love watching the glass blowers on, like, you know, creative shows. I think it, I think there's, I think there's one on BBC or something. I don't remember. Haven't been in the UK for a while, but. <laughs> yeah, there's one on Netflix that I've been watching, and it does look like quite an intense, it kind of is like a sport in a way. It looks like quite an intense sport. And like you said, it's extremely hot and you could probably lose your eyebrows that they, you know, they get yeah. so hot, they burn off. Well, it's interesting you say glass blowing because it's such a big thing here and even in Finland as like a massive, um, well, people collect a lot of it. There, there's a man, I think he's called Oiva Toika. Don't know if you know him. He's dead now, but he made glass birds. Wow. And they are super precious to, well, just general culture here in Finland. They are very expensive, very beautiful. But he's also done like some vases and stuff like this. But that that was his main thing. And uh, yeah, I, I guess people see them as not only art, but but also a collection, a collecting piece. You know, like you say, you met that hoarder. But I guess when it comes to magazines and and art, you, you want to collect a lot of it. Yeah, totally. You want it to be it's like you want it to be like an art piece, don't you? And you want it to be something someone will have forever. I'd yeah. love to create sort of like, I don't know, a bespoke limited edition glass magazine or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> it's so cool.
I'm very detailed. I don't know about you. Are you a detailed person? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> I think I recently found I'm I'm on the autism spectrum, so I think that's why like I'm so organized and yeah, kind of detailed. I need to get that checked as well because <laughs> we're all on it. We're all on it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think most of the best people in the world are like you know neurodivergent and I think makes you more interesting really do you feel like that's another avenue for like the mental health issue because there's a lot of well there's a lot of personalities isn't there there's a lot of personality types and I guess there's a lot you can go into but um I I suppose I should probably go back to issue seven (laughs) uh you speak with artist Susan Milne who yeah are you a relation to Susan I can't remember now I think you were so it's my my girlfriend, it's her grandma, Susan Mill, step-grandma. Yeah, she's the most incredible woman I've ever met in my life. She is so interesting, and she's like the truest artist I've ever met as well. She just, she just makes art all day. She talks about art all day. She's done so many amazing projects. She's worked in so many amazing places. She's got so much to say. She's got more energy than I do, and she's... 80 plus I love that. it's just yeah I bow, bow down to her she's amazing it, it seriously came across I, you know what I was wanting at the end of reading it I was wanting like a video interview I was wanting to see her in action don't know mm. I don't know if that's just an idea for the yeah. future I don't know. interesting yeah well it was really nice because my partner and I we went to Wales to visit her and um Cecily my partner she put together like the the most of the interview and she had like eight or nine hours worth of audio to go through um and sort of like summarize it down to what you read in the magazine um but yeah I think I think that would be quite good actually especially for her because she is quite a character it would it would have been nice to have like that sort of element of like bringing her alive in in a video form or something so that's something I'll definitely consider I I don't know It, it felt like she came to life already in the in the words anyway to be honest with you it it felt very obviously the magazine's very tangible anyway but when you read about someone like that and you go wow they've had so much experience and they've had so much life you know and I love the one of the latest projects I think she did was uh not latest awarded I think it was a uh, printing of soil local soil wow mm. I mean I've been doing printmaking recently and I'm like I can't even imagine doing that. Yeah, it's very cool. She collects all the soil and she has all these fantastic glass jars of all the different kind of soils. And she knows like where this soil is from, this like farm over here and it's over there, this color. And yeah, it was just, it was a real treat to get to spend so much time with her and to see all of her materials and all of the work that she's made. And she let me go through her archive of all these like slides and everything. And yeah. It's just fantastic. It's so inspiring. I really, really admire her. What, what did you kind of take away from, from the experience of meeting her? Well, I'd met her once before, but this time it was more like focused on her practice. I think just like, mm. so I don't know, like reminding myself that it's okay to just be an artist. Like you don't have to try and be anything else other than yourself and I don't know there's a real authenticity to her and what she makes and I guess I sort of I hope that I can do that in my life and my practice really it, it feels it's a lovely answer I feel like there's no outside pressure with her work in a way there's no one saying you should be doing this or you're doing it wrong 
because it, I guess in art there's no wrong way well exactly and that's that's something I like to stand by as well is there's no right or wrong way to do anything you know I think that's why I love art so much didn't love math so much because you could always get yeah. the wrong answer but with art you could there's like four thousand different ways to get to that final end result and I, I like the idea of seeing something as a challenge and overcoming it or like moving around it, going past it, underneath it, through it. Um, yeah. Who do you feel like, are, you know, are doing the most interesting work at the moment that you've looked at? There's there's a, an online platform called Pitch Studios, which my friend was a part of. I think it's just come to an end now, but they do a lot of really interesting digital work and like augmented reality, AI stuff. I'm super interested in that at the moment. I recently just got a virtual reality headset and I've been like using Google Sketch to like draw things. And, oh, that was actually linking back to Susan. When she came to London, like at Christmas time, I put the VR headset on her and I gave her the, the controllers and she got to draw and it was just like, she just took to it like a duck to water. I was like, oh my God, some of my friends were slower at figuring out how to, to use it. And she was just like doing all these beautiful oh, drawings. Wow. Anyway, so yeah, I'm just very interested in that. And Pitch Studios have done some really interesting like graphical work and like collaborations and stuff. I'm also interested in, um, I can't remember what they're called, but they're, they're like a perfume design company and they make really interesting perfume bottles. Um, I think... I think they're based actually in like the Netherlands or something and just the way they promote it it's it's like the whole the whole scent is like a whole way of life it's the whole ethos and they just have fantastic photography and um their bottles are just like out of this world (laughs) it's just amazing it it seems that you've Um, you've you've delved into obviously scent is a big a big point that you've worked with um do, do you feel like the work out of virtual reality could be harnessed and maybe brought into an issue is, is there an issue waiting for that well definitely I've I've been thinking about as part of like the community community engagement for the next issue I'd like to get people to visually sketch their feelings of anxiety through doing like a little bit of research um, it's often a term coined anxiety monster that people use to describe how their anxiety feels within them so I want to invite people to draw their anxiety monster using the virtual reality headset and the technology of google sketch and then presenting them in like the digital world and having uh, a gallery in which you can walk around them and like you know if i drew mine and then you drew yours and then i could go oh stuart like wow ours looks the same here and like oh what does that bit mean for you or like how did you get to that point and just like creating like an excuse to like talk about it and like in a nice way and yeah, yeah creating discussions and getting people to be able to respond to how they're feeling yeah yeah I think that's a huge a huge point where you know not not dealing with feelings but seeing them visually maybe can could be interpreted a different way uh, and you maybe change perspectives on your own mental health maybe it could be a huge a huge thing uh, if people want to reach out uh, in regards to issue eight and the next phase of you know terra firma where can they go you can contact me uh, by Instagram, uh, which is terra underscore firma underscore magazine or website at terrafirmamag.com. And I would love to see uh, what everyone's doing and how they're feeling in response to that theme. Uh, it can be any art form. It could be writing, it could be a photograph, it could be a painting, drawing, it could be a piece of architecture, it could be a dance, anything, anything. I'm open to it. 
Um, and yeah, I'm very excited for the Terra Firma diary that's launching around like August, September time, which will be about art and craft and how they link and how they intersect. And it's gonna be like a very good diary and I'm very much looking forward to that. But yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and I'm glad you lost the questions because you asked some really nice questions in the end. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, thank you very much for joining me. That that's so nice of you and for making the time My absolute pleasure thank you so much for doing this and just speaking to people and having a platform out there it's really cool oh no worries no worries uh, again this won't be the last chat i promise i, I want to stay in touch because you're doing some great stuff especially with this next issue it, it's going to be really important yeah oh amazing thank you so much Stuart. take care enjoy the rest of your evening as well yes thank you if you ever want to chat through ideas just give me a shout Always okay, up for I will. I'll chat. hold you to that. Thanks, Sophie. Take care of yourself. Take care. Bye. 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 Thank you, Sophie, for joining me on this episode. To see what Sophie and Terra Firma are up to, visit terrafirmamag.com. On the website, you'll be able to buy the latest issue 7, as well as pre-order issue 8 and beyond. You'll also be able to see the range of workshops that Sophie holds. They're normally very limited, so get in touch with Sophie if you're interested. On the next episode of Overleaf Podcast, we'll meet Angus McPherson, the designer behind Decisive Agents, a magazine by InstaDeep. We'll dive into issue one of Decisive Agents, as well as Angus's day-to-day life as a designer. I can't wait for you to hear it, so make sure to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on wherever you listen to the podcast, and let me know your feedback. You can find me at On The Overleaf. So that's on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, On The Overleaf. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also visit our website at ontheoverleaf.com. That's O-N-T-H-E-O-V-E-R-L-E-A-F dot com. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of The Overleaf Podcast. See you next time. A big thank you to the creator of the music for the show, Valtteri Keskitalov.